0: Welcome to Paper Team, a podcast about television writing and becoming a TV writer. I'm Alex Friedman, AKA TV Calling. And I'm Nick Watson on Twitter, at underscore NJ Watson. And today we're gonna to talk about how to take feedback, whether you're on staff or working on your own projects, why and how should you take notes? And when should you say no? So the first thing we really wanna talk about is just
1: your mindset when you are receiving criticism or feedback on your work. I think it's something to be, uh, forgive the pun, uh, mindful of when you're finding yourself in this situation just from the outset, what to expect and how you should feel about it. Your mindset's gonna be a little bit different in each case, depending on where you're receiving feedback from. Now, if you want more information on that, you should check out PTO 8, our Reading Onion episode, which talks about where you can actually go and find those various sources of feedback. But it's important to take your feedback with more or less of a grain of salt, depending on its source. Now, is it coming from a development exec, a producer, agent, manager, showrunner, or is it a writing group? Is it a friend of yours? Is it your mom? You know, I think it's going to be different for every case.
0: Yeah, I weigh my mom's opinion very highly. Yeah, she's she's <laughs> higher than showrunners. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to that idea, I mean every note will have to be weighed differently, especially based on who is giving it to you, like we just said. And there's a difference between the kind of feedback that you're going to be receiving on your own material versus as a staff writer or in development. And to me, that main distinction comes down to one thing, and that is who is the keeper of the vision, who drives the vision of that project. Scarlet Witch, right? Scarlet Witch, exactly. The WandaVision show is all about Scarlet. She's the one driving the vision. (laughs) But in this case, if it's an original spec sample, that vision is going to be driven by you. If you are a staff writer, that vision is driven by the showrunner. And if you're developing a project, that vision is driven by you as well as all the people that you are bringing on board.
1: So now that we've kind of discussed who's giving you the notes, uh, I want to get back into the mindset element of it. One concept that I've found really useful coming from a psychology background is this idea of a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. And the difference between that is taking a look at these two statements. One of them is I am a bad writer. And the other one is I have written something bad. Now, one of them is absolute, I'm a bad writer. That's what I am. I am this thing. And I can't change that. The other one is malleable. I have done something that perhaps wasn't the best representation of my work in the past. But that doesn't mean it can't be any different in the future. You know, you have the ability to change that stuff moving forward. So I think approaching any sort of writing uh, with a a growth mindset is always going to be more helpful than that fixed mindset. And it helps kind of get less of your ego wrapped up in it as well. Uh, You know, You don't want to get down on yourself thinking that, well, if this script was bad and I got bad notes on it, nothing I ever do is going to be good enough. And that's when you become hurt and angry because you are tying so closely this this writing, this thing that you did, to yourself and your own self-worth. But, you know, writers improve all the time. Look at how far your writing has come from when you started and then realize just how far it has to go and how much better you're gonna be several years from now. Um, This entire thing is a journey. It's not some sort of set natural talent that's given to people in some uh, level at birth. It's you're always gonna be writing and improving. So don't
0: don't see that as an attack on you. Yeah, and to that point, we all have sort of that jerky negative reaction when you're receiving the notes, uh, whether it's by email or phone call, just listing all the problems going on with your script. And you're sort of faced with someone finding a problem with something you've been living with for days or weeks months or sometimes yours. And now they're telling you that there's more work to do and it's not perfect. And here's the, the real issue. It's that that jerky reaction comes from one place. It's that ego. The notes that you are receiving are not about you. They're about this external piece of writing and the negative feedback does feel personal because you are birthing that piece of content or you've birthed it out of you. But again, it's worth repeating here that notes are not about you. They're about that content. And the reality is that any work, especially television is valuable and will be constantly rewritten. People giving you feedback, 90% of the time, they just want the best out of the project. So that's why you should avoid taking things personally. Right. People aren't
1: getting together going, how can I make Alex feel the worst about himself uh, out of this thing? Everyone wants you to succeed and they want the project to succeed. Uh, and thank so- you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you know I think one of the key things that will happen when you're receiving notes is this this defensiveness in the moment upon first hearing a note uh, I think a lot of people's first instinct in their mind is well no here's why that's wrong or no here's why I did this you're trying to explain yourself and provide a rationale for it but that's not usually the best way to go about it you know instead of reacting emotionally and defensively just accept that the note has been given and then let it process go away and think about it you say something like thanks I'm going to take a look at that get Away from that initial emotional reaction, and then later on, you will often see the helpfulness of the note after the fact upon reflection.
0: Also, it's worth noting that notes also help you become a better writer objectively, especially if you frequently are getting those same types of notes over and over again. You'll quickly realize where your weakest points are, and you can start working on them. It could be overly expository dialogue, or not fully fleshed out characters, or lack of emotions in certain scenes, or confusing structure, etc. The point is, as soon as you get that feedback, you'll understand who you are as a writer, and you can improve on those valuable elements.
1: It's also important to realize that so much of this work is subjective. There might be someone who hates your script, but then another person loves it and gives you a job because of it. So even if you are receiving negative feedback, try not to take it personally. You literally can't please everyone.
0: Yeah, and to that idea, I feel like there's no better example of that, than any kind of script hosting service or coverage service like the Blacklist website where you can put any pilot or feature on it and then you'll get three or four or five different reviews from it and everyone is gonna have their own perspective. Probably because half of them won't even have read your script fully. But either way, it shows how subjective that feedback can be. Uh, Yeah, exactly. There might be a showrunner who loves
1: exactly what you're doing and gets it. And there might be someone else and it's just not their cup of tea. So, you know, again, that's not a reflection on you as a writer. It is just what does your work suit and where would you be best fit?
0: Yeah. And lastly, you should not be too precious about your ideas. It's something we've said over and over again. TV writing is about generating constant ideas, not going all in on this specific pitch. And when it comes to your own projects, you got to know your vision, you got to know your perspective, but everything beyond that should be malleable. Yeah, that's a really great
1: point. I think if you're constantly turning out new scripts and new projects, you're not gonna get overly attached to any one particular one. Uh, I think a lot of people who do write their one pilot and they submit it to 20 competitions and they're sitting there writing all their hopes on that, of course, they're gonna be incredibly taken aback when people give them negative feedback on it because that's everything that they have done. But if you have another three pilots ready to go, you can be like, okay, yeah, that's fair enough. Well, here's another one.
0: And also, it comes down to sort of that ticket to the lottery system, where if you're writing multiple scripts, then you can send them out and be more specific about where you're targeting as opposed to, let's say you wrote this very specific one hour legal drama, then you're not gonna be submitting that to Barry because that's not really a very relevant show for that (laughs) that sample. So maybe Alec Burke is gonna be rejecting your one hour drama just because it's not really in the fit of Barry, but that's not something negative about you, it's just there, the fit is not there. All right, let's talk about why and how to take a note. Yeah. So first
1: off the bat, I think that the thing that you can't get around sometimes is politics. Sometimes you just have to take a note because it's from a particular person that might be a high-powered producer, uh, an EP, an executive, uh, even an agent or showrunner, whatever it happens to be. Every now and then you find yourself in a situation, particularly when it's say development or on a show, or you know your agent is about to send it out for staffing or for you know to, to pitch. And you basically just have to take this note or what you want to happen is not gonna happen. So sometimes you just kinda gotta take your medicine and accept that.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. And uh, I'll talk more about the politics of it in a second. Uh, To that point though, I, I did wanna mention this idea of when you're on staff, it will be common that you are going to be rewritten. That's just a fact of life. And when you're in the position where you're going to be uh, getting feedback from a showrunner or uh, you're sort of under pressure from the upper levels, don't be afraid to ask people around you and above you and other writers on that staff what they think about a certain draft or a scene. Bounce off ideas with them because I feel like a lot of people have this tendency of thinking that when they're on staff, they're almost in competition with one another when in fact, you're sort of all in the same boat. You're in this together. So don't be afraid to get that feedback from other people. Maybe it's one wrong above you, maybe it's two wrongs above you, but uh, whatever the case may be, get that feedback absolutely it helps everyone and you know it can be paralyzing or ego
1: destroying to maybe write your first ever episode of television when you're on a staff and then have it completely rewritten from page one maybe there's still a scene or a few jokes or lines of dialogue that have made it in there from your draft if you're lucky but you know that's that's what a lot of writing on staff is and the more junior you are the more likely you are to be rewritten it's not necessarily a bad thing no one is sitting there judging you for it no one's going oh alex had 59 pages out of his 60 rewritten we're all (laughs) sitting here keeping count and you know like you said, it's not a competition. It's expected. It's how you learn. So take note of what's been replaced and rewritten and realize that this is the target. This is what I'm going for. This is what the showrunner wants. And then what you want to do is just strive to make it less and less work for the showrunner or maybe the story editor and animation uh, the next time that you hand in the draft.
0: Yeah, I think that's actually a great idea to do when you're being rewritten on staff is to compare the two PDFs that you have of your draft and the one that is getting sent out. And you can actually see the differences. And it's not about the ego again. It's not about, oh, the showrunner didn't like my joke or the showrunner didn't quite like the prose or the way I I phrased a certain scene. That's just the way it is. Now it's up to you to understand why that person changed your phrasing why they changed that joke, why they changed that piece of dialogue, and then learn from it. That's how you improve yourself as a writer is understanding where your thoughts lie and then improving on those problems.
1: Yeah. And the expectation is that lower level writers are there to learn. They will contribute in the ways that they can, but they, you know they don't know everything and they're here to gain that experience. And that's how you show that you're valuable. You're not expected to be churning out word perfect drafts from day one. And maybe unless you're, who was it? John Robin Bates, the, the D-bag <laughs> who told the WGA he wouldn't fire his agents and then bragged about writing a West Wing episode that aaron sorkin didn't have to rewrite so, uh, add another one to the list of enemies of the
0: podcast alex it's not really a big uh, power player, unlike A.A. Ron Sorkin. Now, in terms of looking at how to address notes, more is better than less. And one of the most common reactions that you'll run with notes is going, wait a minute, what do you mean you want X? It's already in the script. Well, sometimes what you're is either too subtle or too confusing. There's no harm in trying a more hammy version of that specific element they want more of. Maybe it's more emotions. So why not try Turn the melodramatic prose to a nine or an 11 instead of a three. It's always easier to pare down the prose if it's two on the nose than doing the opposite.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think especially at those early stages, like when you're doing the beats or the outline or treatment or whatever, even sometimes in first drafts, it can be really helpful to overly spell things out, even if it seems obvious to you. I mean, you've been sitting with the story and you understand it implicitly, but other people reading this, if it's it's the first time a network executive is seeing it or whoever. So, you know, you don't have that same tool of subtlety available to you that you do when you're writing on the page. So just try to make it very clear, you know, this is the same serial killer from earlier, exclamation mark, or even, you know, Karen feels utterly betrayed by Sarah's actions, things that you can't get away with on the page, like make them super clear at that stage. You know, making those clear for the people who are gonna be giving you feedback, even if it feels heavy-handed, I think is better than having something be missed completely as you head into those further drafts and steps.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. It's better to underline something that's obvious to you, but maybe be misunderstood by other people than assuming that they're gonna understand that emotion or that turn or that twist, uh, because we all know what uh, assuming does. Now, the other element in terms of working uh, with the notes is to work from big to small. And depending on where you are in the process, I find it's often better to tackle larger issues first and foremost, which may have a domino effect on structure or scenes. Uh, the one exception for me at least is the rewrite stage where I'll personally quickly do the smaller tweaks as soon as possible. Let's say if it's like a word change or a dialogue change so that I can then refocus all my energy on the larger scenes to rewrite and have a clear division of the work I need to do.
1: Yeah, on the flip side of that, you know, as someone giving notes, that's why you're often encouraged not to get into the minutiae of, well, I didn't like this punctuation right here, or could you perhaps phrase this sentence a little bit differently? Because when you're at these stages, all of these big changes are going to probably end up throwing that out anyway. So, you know, vice versa, you know, try to work from the biggest down to the smallest.
0: Now, I did want to make a note about compromise. And to be honest, this is exclusively for your own projects. There's no real compromise on staff. You should do what the showrunner asks you to do, point blank. But in terms of the politics that we spoke of earlier, you should realize that the people who are giving you notes from an executive side, at least, are doing so because on some level, they want a sense of ownership with that project. It could be something as trivial as them suggesting a different character's name or as major as changing an entire act, but whatever the case may be it's sometimes worth it to compromise and give them maybe a little win there uh, with something that has no real impact to you as a creative, especially if you're receiving contradictory notes that go against your vision. It's not a dirty word to compromise on some aspects of it. And just because you're agreeing to change a certain line of your script doesn't mean you've compromised the integrity of your precious pilot. Exactly. I think you don't want
1: to get a reputation for being quote-unquote difficult. There are some people in the industry that are praised for being so exacting in their creative vision while there are others who are derided for it. And I think that that's perhaps to do with how you go about defending your ideas and your work. Uh, Television is a collaboration at its heart. You should be open to other people improving and building upon your work. Everybody else in the room, whether it's directors, actors, producers, executives, other writers, you know, they've dedicated their life to their craft as well. And so they probably have some good ideas. There's a reason they're in the position that they're in. So respect them and what they bring to the table, and then they will probably respect you in turn.
0: Absolutely. I mean, we've all heard the stories of those EPs or genres that are getting burned by studios just because they are not willing to address notes. And it's not just because they're not willing to address notes. It's that lack of communication, that lack of empathy towards why that other person is giving you the note. Now, obviously not every executive is weighed equally, and not every person has an opinion or should be uh, giving an opinion when there's like 30 EPs on a show. But with all that said, I feel like on some level, you should be able and willing to listen to the other person.
1: All right, so now we're gonna get into the nitty gritty of deconstructing the feedback that you're getting, and importantly, that common phrase, the note behind the note. Ooh, the note behind the note.
0: Well, uh, an important part of addressing notes is understanding the notes. A lot of the people you'll be getting feedback from are, to be honest, not writers. They may not be able to express themselves as creatively as you, and it's unlikely they will understand your project as much as you do. And that's why sometimes what is given to us isn't necessarily a literal solution to execute, but rather an issue someone had. Yeah. That's why I think it's important to, instead of, you know, just rejecting
1: or arguing your point ask questions of the people who are giving you the feedback. Try to deconstruct exactly what it is that they are saying rather than just assuming you know what it is because people, like you know, you've said, don't always express themselves in the best way. Don't debate it. Just try to understand what they're
0: getting at. Yeah, absolutely. I, again, it comes down to an element of empathy and understanding. And maybe that's the therapist talking <laughs> within me. But the reality is that people just want to express themselves. They want that sense of ownership. They want to connect with your material. So give them that opportunity even if it's just doing it for face value, but at least hear and listen to what they have to say. Right. They they want to feel heard and understood regardless of what actually
1: ends up happening in the script or what you take on or not. As long as they feel like you're acknowledging their contributions and uh, understanding the issues that they have with it, I think that you're automatically
0: in a better place than just fighting it off of the bat. Now, why do we keep repeating this phrase of the note behind the note? Well, simply put, if they gave you something that you don't necessarily agree with, there is always a note behind the note because if they gave you a note, that means they had an issue with something. You may not agree with their proposed solution, but they had their own reason for giving that solution to you. So for example, let's take a scene with a character gloomily reflecting as she looks at a photo of her dead relatives. And the note given to you is maybe add some voiceover of the dead relatives over her looking at the photo and your instinct goes hell no that's kind of a cliche and doesn't really work in the context because we haven't even met those characters in the show so why just add even more voiceover it doesn't really make sense well okay you've rejected the proposed solution but you still haven't fixed the note behind the note the real reason why they suggested that change so let me ask you nick what do you think the note behind the note is here Hmm. I mean, if I had to guess, I would say
1: they're probably maybe confused about who these people are, these dead relatives. If they haven't ever been introduced in the show, then how do we know who they're looking at? You could be looking at a picture of anything. So perhaps there needs to be something in there somewhere that uh, either sets this up or explains it, or, you know, do we need this at all necessarily?
0: Interesting. I had not consider that, but that does make sense in the abstract context of this scene. Now let's assume that those characters have been set up and we understand why intellectually, why she's looking at this picture. Mm-hmm. Why do you feel that no was given?
1: I guess in that context, they might be looking for more emotion or more something to make the audience you know, feel that connection between the relatives and, and
0: what the character is going through on an emotional level in that scene. Absolutely. And in fact, that example of a note is literally a note I was given uh, for one of my scripts. And that was sort of my thought process was, you know, the voiceover doesn't quite work, but emotionally, I understand why they're asking for that idea. Uh, and that's because they want more of a connection between the character and the parent. And so in that sense, I did understand it. And so that's why I fixed the context of the scene and the scene itself, less about the solution of the voiceover, but more in terms of adding emotions to that whole sequence. Yeah, so my
1: turn. Uh, I'm going to give you another example Ooh. of a note, and you've got to figure out the note behind the note. So here's one. If someone says to you that your lead character isn't likable, could we make them nicer? Uh, you know, and perhaps you as the writer realize that it makes no sense to the character in the story for this person to suddenly be nicer, but what do you think the note behind the note is there? <laughs>
0: Uh, that character should save a doc. No, no. <laughs> I mean, my hot take here is the fact that there's probably an element of empathy that's missing. And uh, at its core, when you're writing story, you should make the reader feel more empathetic towards the character. It's not about being nice or likable as much as it is about the audience connecting emotionally with a character. Absolutely.
1: Obviously, there's something not going right there in terms of how the audience is engaging with the protagonist and why they care about them. Uh, exactly like you said, they don't have to be the nicest person in the world for that to happen. They can be a terrible
0: person as long as we are invested in them emotionally. And that's why Breaking Bad works. And in fact, speaking of emotions, don't reject a note just because of logic. For example, you have a note and uh, your gut reaction is, well, it doesn't quite work because in Act 3, this other plot element needs to happen. First of all, try to understand what their bump is and figure out your own solution in this world. It doesn't mean you'll have to execute on it, but at least consider the note.
1: So now that we understand why notes are being given and what they're actually saying, let's talk about what you do about those notes and in particular, when to say no, how and why do we actually reject
0: a note? So in the context of your own show or your own samples, you are the keeper of the vision. It is up to you to decide what is worth listening to and what isn't. Despite everything we've said, there are some times when taking a note just will not make sense. So really think hard about which hill you are willing to die on. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I mean, like you're not
1: going to be able to fight every single note someone gives you that's just untenable. Uh, so think about the particular ones where you don't really mind if you take that note or not, or whatever it happens to be. But then if there's one thing or two things that you're just like, this is fundamental to the story and needs to stay, like Alex said, that's the hill that you die on. You can't just take that broad approach to every single note. Otherwise, you're going to be ignored.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so let's look at some practical examples for us and reasons why we may not address a specific note in our our own work, And for me, first of all, I may not address a note if that note stems from a fundamental misunderstanding of the themes, the characters, the story, or tone. So for example, if it's, let's say, a contained thriller and the feedback is to have a huge action set piece in the third act, they're not really understanding the format of that piece. Or if they want some completely new Motivation for the lead character when her entire emotional drive stems from that particular goal. And so that would require not just restructuring, but really a fundamental re-understanding of who that character is.
1: On my end, I guess I would probably not take a note if I see it as what's called a lateral pitch, which is a phrase that comes up in the room sometimes. It's not necessarily better or worse than what's currently there, especially in comedy. And if you do actually go and change it, nothing's really different. It's just executed in a slightly different way. So it doesn't add or do anything. So there's really no point in changing. It.
0: Yeah, and to that I also tack on my own version of that for the drama side, which is just like rephrasing on the prose or dialogue level without adding anything more substantial of value. Because once again, you've been thinking about this project for so long. You are the one who's crafted that prose and that dialogue in a very specific way. So if they're just pitching alts on specific lines that don't really make sense, then your gut feeling might be better than theirs. Uh, similar to that, you'll often get a note that is
1: really just more about someone's personal taste or how they would have done. it in that situation rather than improving upon the vision of what's there whether it's your vision or someone else's you know they're more like well i would have done it like this that's not necessarily a note to make it better it's a note to make it different
0: yes for example i want more of an aussie accent in this episode (laughs) is that personal taste or is that an objective note uh, we'll hold a poll and a, and a vote on it without listeners. I'll Sounds see if I'll bring it back. Also, I will probably ignore a note if a version of it is both already present in the script and I'm satisfied with the current execution of that idea. This may go against what I said above in terms of returning it to a nine instead of a three, but sometimes you will get notes that contradict what you're going for. So for example, we want more of Sophie. We're only seeing her in the background in a couple of scenes. Well, it turns out Sophie is intended as a tertiary character with minimal screen time. So maybe I'll slightly heighten the few moments when Sophie is on screen to kind of flesh out her character, but it's very doubtful. I'll be adding even more scenes involving her character in the pilot, just because the show is not really about Sophie. It's about all these different characters.
1: Yeah. Sometimes people come in with notes that are fundamental rewrites on your entire concept. It's like, well, this character was so cool. Why isn't that the protagonist? And, you know, that's, again, that's A, that's not your vision of the project. And B, it requires so much work that it's really not worth it, especially if that's not what you want out of that thing. Now maybe, again, there was a note behind the note there. Perhaps Sophie is interesting because of some little quirk or element that she has, and and that's something that readers enjoy. So maybe you either, like you said, heighten that for Sophie or you find a way to maybe take it from Sophie and give it to one of your main characters instead.
0: To that idea, how do you actually reject a note. Well, when receiving the notes, as we mentioned multiple times now, the important part is to listen to what they had to say and understand why they are saying that. And if there's an immediate conflict in the vision you're going for, then this is the first step, the first opportunity that you have where you should express and discuss with them what is going on. It doesn't mean you're going to be debating for an hour over the phone. I'm just saying that's the place where you can actually express why you're bumping against their bump. Once the feedback is given and you've decided, well, I'm not going to do this note, I'm not going to do that note, then the very act of not doing it is the rejection. Yeah,
1: Exactly. In the same way that you're not going to argue the notes in the room the second they tell them to you, you also don't need to, after the fact, pick up the phone and go, hey, I'm not taking your notes and here's why you're wrong. The only time that it's perhaps worth doing that is if you're genuinely unsure or you need to discuss it and find a compromise. Otherwise, I think the easiest way is just to go back to the script, do what you think is right, take the notes that you think are going to be helpful and let the chips fall where they may. You know, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission, especially if you think that you can prove that you're right by showing that it works on page, rather than just arguing about it in abstract with that person.
0: Again, everything we're saying here is with the caveat that this is your own vision, this is your own project that you're driving towards, not someone else's vision on staff, because obviously you should not be dying on the hill of, I'm not going to do this, strange, because the showrunner told me to do it. You should do it. Exactly, yes. This is if you're writing your own sample, or
1: perhaps you're in uh, an equal kind of development relationship, or whatever it happens to be. Uh, be careful about just straight up saying, no, or not doing what your showrunner wants." It's a quick way to get fired. Yep. Now... <laughs> Speaking of getting fired, perhaps, but uh, no, speaking of kind of ways to get around taking a note or not, this is a little bit cheeky, but sometimes if you don't want to take the note, just nod and say, you'll take it into consideration and then do nothing about it on the next draft. If they still point it out again, then you can maybe look into fixing that or if other people point it out as well. If not, then perhaps it wasn't something that were that invested in anyway, or, you know, it just works as it is. And, uh, you know, they were being too nitpicky, so you're right. away with it.
0: Absolutely. And and especially in the context of your samples, there is no real justification needed because it is your own work and in the context of development however communication is critical especially if you're talking about more macro notes you got to address at least the ways you've tackled their notes on some level and the reasons why it wasn't necessary to do the specific other ones if they mention it often it comes down to creative differences so you can express those on some level help them understand especially if they bring it up over and over again you should help them understand why what they suggested didn't really fit with what you were going for in your project.
1: Yeah, again, at least then you have taken their feedback on board, you have tried it, maybe seen if it's worked, realized here's why it doesn't, then they're feeling heard, they're understood, and maybe they see your point of view a little bit better after that.
0: And finally, sometimes that creative vision is too different from your own, which may cause a split in the relationship of that project. There's nothing wrong with believing in yourself, that's life, but don't confuse having a creative vision with never wanting to address feedback. All right, what are some takeaways for this episode? Number
1: one, feedback is all about the vision of the project. Whether that's yours or a producer
0: or a showrunner, these notes and fixes should always be in service to that vision, not in spite of it. Number two, make sure you are in the right mindset to receive notes. Do not get defensive or argue, just listen and decide later which notes to take and which ones you want to push back on if you have that option. Number three, find the note behind the note. Their suggestion on how to fix it
1: may not be right, but that doesn't mean that there isn't a problem.
0: And number four, sometimes creative disagreements happen. It's fine to not address certain notes on your project as long as it is about staying true to a vision and not just your ego. All right. Well, before we go, don't forget that we are now on Patreon. So if you
1: enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting Paper Team. Fire our Patreon page at paperteam.co slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You'll get exclusive content, opportunities, merchandise. We got cheat sheets, exclusive episodes, and we just have an amazing community of people there that's growing by the day. So think about joining up with that and we can. that helps us to keep producing a great show for you every
0: week. So thanks to our listeners for taking the time to tune in. And you can get all the show notes for this episode at paperteam.co slash 142. As always, I'm on Twitter at TV Calling. I'm at underscore NJ Watson. If you have any thoughts, feedback, ideas for future episodes, you can always send them to ask at paperteam.co. And what are we doing next week? Next week, we're going to be taking a look at the age-old debate,
1: well, (laughs) rivalry, (laughs) comedy versus drama revisited. You might remember that we did one very, was it episode two? I think it was episode two. You know, declaring your TV major comedy or drama. And now we're going to look maybe at a more modern version of that where the lines have blurred recently. We're going to see if that division still stands in the same way that it used to. Yes. Are you team hashtag comedy or team hashtag drama? Are you team dramedy Ooh. comma?
0: I don't comma? <laughs> Hopefully you don't fall into a coma after this episode, <laughs> but either way, we will see you next week for comedy versus drama. Genesis will be back. <laughs>